For me, it began in 1992 with an ending. I was five years old and happened upon a comic shop advertising the death of Superman in its window display. From that moment forward, the Man of Steel has been my favorite character. And now on this podcast, I'm exploring my fandom and examining the creative visions that have shaped the last son of Krypton across media for over 80 years. Welcome to Digging for Kryptonite, a Superman fan journey. I'm your host, Anthony Desiato. Joining me this episode to discuss the 1996 storyline, The Final Night, is cosplayer Justin DeVoe. Justin, welcome. Dude, that was the cutest thing I've ever seen. That intro is awesome, man. <laughs> dude, I almost shed a tear. And like, I'm on the podcast with my buddy, and I'm like, dude, all we do is go, are right, you ready? And then we start. Like, that was real professional shit, man. That was cool. <laughs> you know, it's, it's of course, been a whole new world uh, for all of us. And, you know, I'm doing remote podcasts uh, and video podcasts for the first time. So it's been a lot of new stuff for me. And, you know, trying to... You know, trying to spruce it up and, and make it as, as polished as possible. But I appreciate that. I'm glad you enjoyed it. And it's uh, it's funny because it's like I talk about getting into comics with Death of Superman all the time. And it's at the start of every episode. But, you know, for this Superman fan's journey, it's, you know, uh, it's a major, major piece of it. So it felt appropriate yeah. to, to kind of kick it off with that each time. Oh, man, that's awesome. Dude, I almost dimmed the lights in here, guy. I was like, <laughs> this is going to be nice. I wonder how long this thing is. Did I get popcorn? <laughs> Yeah, we try to, you know, just like about 30 seconds or so. So we try not to, we try not to overdo it. So I love it, man. It's cool. It's so great to have you. Uh, you know, you were on an episode of my other podcast, My Comic Shop History, a couple of years ago now. You were in my documentary film, My Comic Shop Country. I was in the room uh, you're recording from now and I filmed it. Yeah. I filmed your amazing collection. And the reason you ended up on this episode, I don't know if you know this, but is uh, I posted in the Flat Squirrel Podcast Network Facebook group which all of you are welcome to join, by the way. And I said, you know, I'm thinking of doing an episode on the final night. And you were the first person to react. You clicked the love button. And I don't know if it was because you love the final night or you were just being supportive as you normally are. But either way, I was like, that's the guy. I, I, I love what you do in and out of like everything. Like you're, you're a dad, you're a husband, you do the podcast thing. You're, you're, you're so deep into the pop culture comic thing that as soon as I saw that comboed with the final night, I was like, oh, I do love this. I, I know people throw around a fucking heart for like everything. I was like, no, I definitely love this. Like this needs to happen. So I was really excited. And then when you're like, do you want to do it? I was like, are you serious? Because like there's cats like, look, I'm surrounded by comic stuff, but like it is so much harder to do something like live when you don't have like Google backing up your you know, shitty Facebook argument, right? Like when you're here, if you don't know something, you don't know it. Like you can't cut and be like, you know, but everyone's an expert on Facebook. So I was like, you know what? I, my memory is terrible, but I got a pretty good overall view of like comics in terms of like what I have been reading over the course of like 34 years. So I was like, dude, I'll do this, man. Cause it's like the equivalent to like, look, I'm the closest thing you're going to get to like an every man slash comic guy. So there's some things I'm going to forget, but I don't know. Who cares, man? It's all for the fun of it. Well, matter right on and i know you did your homework i know you said you took notes and i appreciate that and yeah you know it's funny because this is basically like a bonus uh holiday episode is the way i've been looking at it because uh we put out an episode on december 16th and then i was planning to take off the 23rd and the 30th figured you know people are busy with holidays might not be looking to listen to podcasts we were just going to come back with new episodes in the new year but then i thought with this year that we've all had and the fact that you know, people can't really travel and get together the way that they normally would for the holidays. I figured, you know what, maybe people would be looking for something a little extra to listen to. And I know that the final night is not technically a holiday story, but it came out towards the end of 96, uh, close to the holiday time. And of course, the, yeah. you know, the premise of the storyline is that, uh, you know, the, the sun goes out and earth is covered in snow yeah, and ice. And out, so, eater, yeah. yeah, so like I've always kind of associated it certainly with winter, but with the holidays as well. And so I figured, uh, you know, it, it would work well enough as a, as a little holiday episode. Also, yeah. not really a Superman story, <laughs> so, but uh, nah, it, it, it is, but it's like the humanistic because, so, you know, it's like, the, actually, I think the reason why, because like I talked to a bunch of people, like I told you I was going to talk to my friend Mike who works for DC and my friend Jason and Marie who are like, they're the people 
who I want to be. Like their memories are like steel trap. Like they'll tell you what the cover of blah, 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 number 67 look like. And they're not dicks about it. Like they're not gatekeepers about it. And I really like that. Cause like, those are the kind of people I'd like to talk to. Um, but I like it because it likens back to like um, the Batman nightfall, right? It's an earthquake, dude. There's nothing you could do about it. Like, and I know uh dark Knight rising kind of took a lot of that. It's Bane. It's not an earthquake, but like you can't punch an earthquake in the face. Right. Like Superman can do just about anything. But like if that if that interdimensional entity that they try to like boom box away, like wants to eat the sun, there's nothing really you could do about it. Um, So he was kind of like, I'm shit out of line. And of course, you take the sun away. You take a lot of you know, you take almost all of his powers away on a declining scale. So I was like, I love it because it's not like I'm the biggest, toughest guy. It's not that you can't do that in this. It's like, no, now you have to go save people, which is what I really liked about it. I'm with you 100%. I I had the exact same thought uh, as I was doing my reread of this. I was like, you know, because again, there have been plenty of, uh, you know, line-wide crossovers and events and and all kinds of stuff. And I love the comparison to No Man's Land, which is one of my favorite Batman stories. And it's the story that got me into Batman, actually. Uh, And I think it's very appropriate because you're right. That was one of the things that I loved about The Final Night was, you know, the Sun Eater is not depicted as being sentient it's not you know it's not anyone that they're you know interacting with necessarily it's just this force of nature and so it's a real it just presents a problem for them to solve and so much of the story is them trying to figure it out and then you know you see you know you see the effects on the general population and the hero's efforts to save them uh so yeah i liked i liked that a lot it was a refreshing change of pace from uh you know the typical you know scenario that you described that's why a lot of people didn't like it man like they didn't like it because they wanted people to be punched in the face. Like they're like, oh, it's boring watching the fl- watching uh like Ray go to wherever and the Flash go to help people. I was like, what? Like not everything needs to be like you can have superheroes in regular situations and be able to see like how they can help. To I don't know, man. Like I just don't get the hate and shit. Like I, like if you don't like it, you don't like it. But like it can't be supernatural elements all the time. You know what I'm saying? Like it's got to be something basic. Like what if something basic just happens? Yeah, for sure. And, and I did homework, but you know when you see something or smell something and it brings you back to a time or whatever, right? So I'm kicking through the white boxes and I pull out issue two and I've seen issue two made as a poster. I've seen it as a shirt. The the, the, end, the end is, is near. Yep. With, uh, with all, I was like, yo, when I saw that, I was like, like a bunch of shit came flooding back. I was like, it's so weird how that works, man. Ah, yeah, dude, I loved it. I thought it was really good. So that was actually one of the first things that I wanted to ask you, because, again, I know, you know, we both reread it for this recording. But what was your original uh, experience uh, with it? Like, did you read it as it was coming out? I was reading. I, yeah. Yeah. That was 96. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I I actually didn't start. I was a Marvel guy, like hardcore growing up, like the comic book store that I was by had it um, like they had DC stuff. But I was like, oh, you know, in time, at time it was all X-Men shit like that. Um and then they were like, oh, it's a big crossover thing. And at that point, there wasn't too many, like, deep, as in terms of, like, there, there was, what, like, 11 tie-in books to, like, the, 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 the there was a lot of tie-in stuff. And some of the stuff, you're like, whatever, this is filler. But, um, yeah, I was like, yeah, you know, throw that in, throw that in. And when it started coming in, I was like, I, I really wanted to get to the next part. But, again, because it, there wasn't an enemy that you can just destroy by shooting laser vision at it you know what i'm saying i was like dude how are they gonna fix this problem and like it was cool because you start to see the people go into states of panic right because it's getting colder and it's getting colder and it's just like holy shit like this thing should be more than four issues but i guess if you do that you're kind of like not pushing away from the table at the right time oh yeah but i was i was i was in dude i was in as soon as i saw that i was like oh yeah i gotta do that because it was different yeah no i'm that's great to hear you know i was reflecting on on my own experience with it. So this was 96. So I was uh, nine when, when this came out and I was still shopping at Heroes World in the Galleria Mall in White Plains. This was not long before Heroes World closed, if my math is correct. And I was only getting the Superman books at the time, the four Superman titles. Shocker. Of course. That was all I was allowed <laughs> to get. And so that's why, so Final Night stands out because going back to what I said before, that it's not strictly a Superman story, but it was enough of a Superman story. I was able to convince my parents that since I get the Superman books, I should be allowed to get Final Night. So it was had right. enough of a Superman connection. And I mean, so it's uh, written by Carl Kiesel, drawn by Stuart Immonen, who were working on the Stuart Superman Eminem, books yeah. at the yeah. time. Uh, so I it did have a very strong. 
Yeah, I love seeing his stuff because that's the era that I became really big into. But like, you can see people like you know whoever it is, um, Adams, uh, 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 Eminent, and you, you just, that looks like classic comics to me. Because like I didn't have like you know I wasn't around for the fifties and sixties stuff. Like I started to really see it in the eighties and nineties. So when you see stuff like that jumps out, like I could see early Sam Keith, and it brings me right back to childhood early collecting. Also, Eminem is the only guy that made Superman look cool with a mullet. Like everybody's tried, and like his shit looks like Roadhouse guy. He's got the Patrick Swayze going on, man. It looked good. That <laughs> uh, I know a lot of people. I know everyone has described it as as a mullet. I know. Uh, don't believe that was ever the intention. It was just the way that it <laughs> it, it looked certain times. But the, so the other thing that I really remember about it was I didn't have it on my pull list. And when I got to Heroes World that the first, the week that part one came out, they were sold out. And I remember to this day, I remember I <laughs> just like I was a kid, but I just turned around in a huff and just left the store. And I remember my mother, she was like, you can't do that. Like that was rude. And she was yeah. right. Uh, but it was just that child, that child's disappointment of like, I wanted this book and it wasn't there. Thankfully, Heroes World, uh, I got, uh, I got additional copies eventually. Uh, and I, and I got the first issue and, and the rest of them. Uh, but it's, it's long, you know, I've always remembered it very fondly. Uh, I, you know, it, it's always kind of held a special place for me. And for anyone, you know, not familiar, you know, DC did a lot of these types of, of events in the 90s in particular. And so this yeah. was a weekly yeah. miniseries. It was a four-part weekly. And every DC title that month had a tie-in issue. Um, All around it, yeah, man. Yeah, and so there, so people might remember certainly, you know, Zero Hour, uh, Genesis, the John Byrne miniseries, yeah. Underworld Unleashed, uh, Day of Judgment. Like, there were a bunch like this uh, during that period of time. And I honestly, this one remains my favorite. And I felt like it held up well on a reread. I was, I was pleasantly yeah. surprised that it, that it held up as well as it did. Yeah. And sometimes tie in, like there was a couple times cause I have a couple, I don't have all of them. Cause there was just some stuff. I'm like, I don't need this, but there's some tie-ins that are just literally chuffa. Like it's just side stuff that you don't necessarily need. Like I remember when it was either blackest night or brightest day, they did like a Manchester cricket tie in. I was like, like why? Like no one needs that dude. He's like sitting at a bar for like most of it. Like I don't need that. You know what I'm saying? Um, but a lot of the tie-ins are actually good. Like we're going to go into the Green Lantern tie-in where it's like, that was the story before it. But I got a problem with that. Like, I think we're going to have an issue with that though. Cause I wasn't a fan of the Hal Jordan redemption arc. I didn't think it was necessary. Like, oh, interesting. With what happened. Um, in coastal city. Right. I think that it should have just been like, he, he was a fucking bad guy. Let him be a bad guy. But you can't, right? Because so many people are like, we love Hal Jordan. And you can't go against a fan base that big because comic book people, Star Wars people, they're real quick to turn around and shit on your whole existence, right? And that's how you make your money. Yeah, but I wasn't a fan of the Hal Jordan Redemption. Like, I was just like, and then they even changed the story. They were like, oh, well, you know, um, uh, Parallax has been doing this for years and he's just been like planting the seed. I'm like, you didn't have to like, that was just, it, it, I don't know. It seemed unnecessary to me. It's so funny because uh, just a few days ago, as of this recording, I put out an episode of my other podcast, My Comic Shop History. And my guest was uh, one of my best friends from Alternate Realities, our old comic shop. And Hal Jordan is his favorite character. And we spoke for a good bit about, uh, you know, he, he was not, you know, he was not part of letter writing campaigns or anything like that, but we talked about, you know, how difficult it was for him as a fan of the character, uh, when Hal took that turn, uh, in the nineties, you know, what's, what's interesting is, you know, you alluded to Green Lantern, uh, rebirth where, right. We find out that Parallax, the living embodiment of fear had infected Hal yeah. and influenced his deci decisions over all of those years. But that of course was a retcon. Like that was not the intention at the time. Right. Um, right. But he that's just an evil demonic entity at first, right? Like it wasn't even a fear thing at first. I thought he was just like this bad omnipotent monster. Again, my memory, dude, I called Nightfall and I called No Man's Land Nightfall. And I'm pretty just sure I just said coastal city. Like, look, man, right. I, look, I mean, my brain is all over. Look, it's on the like, coast. I mean, it is a coastal city. So it's, I think it's all right. Thanks, man. Thanks. I, I got your back. No, but like, he was just, like, it wasn't even a fear thing at first, right? Like, wasn't he just like a, like a, an omnipotent? an omnipotent monster at some point in history? I mean, my, my 
my understanding is that when Hal went bad, he renamed himself Parallax. But at the time, yeah. there was no indication that there was any other sort of force um, within him. Right. It was just this was a new identity that he adopted. He absorbed all the power from the central battery. Like his his power level went way up, and he adopted a new costume and the Parallax name. But it, yeah. again, my, stress, he had the Reed Richards white on the side. I thought that had, was pretty cool. That yeah, that had had, had been part of the character for a little while and but then again it, i b believe it wasn't until green lantern rebirth that they introduced the idea that parallax was actually a thing you know that was actually this yeah. force that had infected him so you know that would come years later but it, in final night um you know that's not part of the story yet so this you know was an attempt at at redeeming him uh not right. through you know, any kind of deus ex machina like the parallax force, but really was just him yeah. going out on his own terms, sacrificing himself. I mean, we're spoiler alert, but the story's been out for decades. Final night. Spoiler alert at this point. <laughs> so, you know, final night, the ending of final night is that, uh, you know, Hal Jordan shows up to save the day. He absorbs the sun eater and reignites the yep. sun and in the process dies. And he's off the board until day of judgment. Uh, one of those other uh, DC events yep. where he becomes the specter. Uh, and of course, one of the prior DC events was Zero Hour, where Hal was the the yeah. villain who was trying to restart time. So Hal played a big role in a lot of these DC events, uh, yeah. you know, in in the nineties. Um, but yeah, so as far as this attempt at redemption, it was really just kind of him going out on his own terms. And and I thought that, you know, that was really the most for me, uh, the most you know emotionally resonant you know part of this story. What's funny is that I was really thinking about this. If you just read the four issues of final night right it's it's a dc story and again you can kind of look at it as a superman story it's got superman creators you know superman loses his powers lex comes in to help there's you know a lot of the action takes place in metropolis it's strong superman connections but still generally you would probably look at this as a dcu story but if you read this the way i think it was intended and the way you and i read it which is uh, you have the parallax emerald knight special that uh, yeah. takes place which between way? issues three and four I also have an issue with that, but go ahead, continue, okay. and then I'll get into my... <laughs> and then uh, Green Lantern number number 81, which is uh, an epilogue to Final Night, where the heroes of the DCU gather to mourn um, Hal Jordan, uh, and the Parallax special and the Green Lantern issue were written by Ron Mars. But so if you read uh, all of those six issues, it really becomes much more of a Hal Jordan Green Lantern story. Yeah. You know? Like, just by adding in those extras, it does really show the start to finish and like how he decided that he needed to do this. Because if you just read um, the main books, I don't think you really get like, it just seemed like, doesn't it seem like at the end, he's like, yeah, I'll fucking do it. And like, it didn't, you know, it's just like, why? Like, why would you, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like it didn't make any sense until you read uh, the priest or the stuff that's in between the priest stuff. And then definitely that Emerald Knight, like you needed to read that in order for any of that stuff to make sense. Like he goes and heals John and shit like that. Like there was a lot of like him traveling around, like feeling bad for his friend. And like, that's, I think the issue that I had with it. And again, I love everything comic, dude. I don't give a shit what it is. Some stuff is not good. Some stuff is good, but think about it this way. I'm 40. You're 33. We started collecting. We never thought we'd see the scale of movies that we have right now, the scale of detail of the figures, the statues, all that stuff. So like, yeah, poo poo shit. But like you, if you can't do any better, Get all your Superman scripts that you wrote, go to DC and sell it to them. And we'll see how well your idea does. You know what I'm saying? So it's just like, I enjoyed the story. But again, like you said, a lot of it was just like, eh, I don't know how that makes sense. Like him going around like, like, you know, um, uh, and saying goodbye to Ferris and then going to heal John. It's just like, you're, you're you're embodied by like this super evil entity and you're like, I'm going to heal somebody. Like, don't you think there'd be like a, a weird, like, no, we're not fucking doing this. What do you mean? You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't know. So I think, I mean, I get what you're saying. I think the way we can reconcile that is that again, at the time of this story, you know, the, the whole idea of parallax being the embodiment of fear that's infected him, that was not part of the story. So this was really right. just how, you know, what was later retconned was the influence of parallax. But even that yeah. within Green Lantern Rebirth, they explained as during Final Night, that was Hal's true nature <laughs> shining through. Yeah. 
yeah, it was like a spirit of vengeance because of what happened to Coast City. So it was just like, I'm going to become this new thing and have all this power. And then the throw in later of like, well, it's actually an entity. And you're like, oh, okay, I guess so. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, again, trying to, you know, again, it's always tough, right? When something wasn't originally intended and then it was sort of added later. But, uh, you know, I think that was the way they they explained it during Rebirth was that like this was his true nature shining through. Um, but so was that the issue that you had with, uh, with Emerald Knight or was it that it was this special issue that you really needed to read that wasn't part of the main thing or both? I think it was, I think, cause I'm not sure what the original plan was. Like, maybe it was just like, we'll have Hal Jordan do it. That'd be a great way to like send the character out and then let's face it, put him back to where he was. Right. But the fact that like it was like an afterthought, oh, it's like shit. Now we have to retell the story or else it's really not going to make any sense. And then they kind of drop that in and you're like, oh, now it makes sense. Like it just seemed like it was a big question mark until that last part where you're just like, wait a minute. I thought it was supposed to be like, wasn't Superman supposed to fly the thing and then Lex packed out because he's a puss or like whatever it was. And he's like, I'll do it. And it was like, why? Like, <laughs> like what? Like, I just didn't get that part. It's so funny because when this first came out i don't think i even knew there was a parallax emerald knight special so when this first came out i just read the four issues and yeah the in the fourth issue (laughs) you know hal just shows up uh (laughs) but i'll say this and i think this is a testament to uh to what those two guys were able to do even in just those few pages of the final issue of final night because i was still all in for like even as a kid and on top of not having read that parallax special as a nine-year-old reading comics for only a couple of years at that point i i barely knew who hal jordan was he was to me my only exposure to him was during reign of the supermen when coast coastal city uh was destroyed you know i you know there's there's that tie-in issue of green lantern and and he was part of that story and that was really all i knew of him and i wasn't following his transition to parallax or anything like that obviously he played a big role in zero hour but i was trying to remember this i think I think I came to Zero Hour later. Like, I think I read that as back issues years later. So, I mean, I was reading Final Night and it's like I barely knew who this character was or why he was showing up at the last minute. But, you know, that final sequence where he rescues Feral Lad uh, from the ship, you know, and uh, and he he takes his place and he recites the oath and, and he makes that sacrifice. You know, I still bought into it as a kid without even having any context for it. Uh, so I do give them credit for that because it still worked. Me. Yeah, I think the oath, like I had a problem with it and shit, but like, yeah, the oath was kind of cool. It was like the, like, you know, the remembering who you really were kind of thing. Like that, like that's why, that's why, that's, that's why I don't think I had a huge problem with it to the point where I was like, oh, that's, you know, it just didn't seem like it. And I'm like, no, well, yeah, I guess that's who he was though. Like, of course he was going to do it. Like he's done it, what, a thousand times in comics before? He's like, I'll do it. Like, you know, he's the guy you go to for, the power play man like that's just who he is yeah and you know i I think it i really did enjoy the parallax uh emerald knight special and i really it definitely is required reading because it it you know takes you through hal's journey leading up to him uh making that appearance in the fourth issue and and you know sort of his decision to uh you know to help to step in to help the people he's now estranged from within the superhero community uh but the, to me, the part that really stood out the most within that Emerald Knight special was, because it begins, he's uh, he's taking out the cyborg Superman, who, of course, was responsible yeah. for yeah. the destruction of Coast City. And then Kyle Rayner uh, approaches him and lays out the situation and asks for his help. And Hal's like, I got to think about it. And there's this sequence where he goes yeah, to at the, this. At the source wall, right? Yeah. At, right? Am I remembering yep. that? Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. He's at the source wall and he's like, you need to help. And he's like, wait a minute. I need to go sulk on this for a second. He's like, all right, I'll leave. Exactly. But then he goes to the sun and he sees the sun eater and he has this moment where he says, I don't know if I can do this. You know, so all of a sudden it's not just a matter of like, well, you know, will I, will I help them or not? It's like, okay, if I help them, this might be the last thing I do. And then that sets him off on that farewell tour, right? Where he visits with Guy Gardner and, you know, things of course are very tense between them, but there's this great moment where Hal's like, you know, no matter what differences we've had, like, I want you to know you were always the one I wanted watching my back. Uh, And then, as you said before, he heals uh, Jon Stewart, who was paralyzed at that point. Uh, So that was definitely a big, you know, um, a big step in in that character's journey, no pun intended. Uh, He visits the grave of Oliver Queen. Yeah. Which, which, and then, 
and then there's the resurrection, yep. which brought us to yeah, 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 yeah. Wow, holy yeah. shit, man, you're breaking. Back. Like I said, I only read the four, but you just bought that back. I was like, holy shit, yeah, that's how we. Uh, Oh yeah, it's how he comes back. Yeah, that's the thing. So, like, you know, Oliver Queen was off the board at this point. Uh, he had had died not too not too long earlier. I, I think he, his death was like ninety five or so. Yeah. And uh, so, in Emerald Night, you know, Hal visits the the, the gravesite, and then when the then current Green Arrow series ended, and it was Connor Hawk who who you know had assumed the mantle at that point. The last the last page of the last issue is you see like the boots of Hal and Ollie at the grave, right? And you don't know what's going on. And then when uh, Kevin Smith kicked off his Green Arrow run, it you opens. Over there, yeah. It's such a great run. And so it opens with uh, Batman and Superman talking during Final Night. So Final Night actually, you know, uh, in a big way led to the the resurrection of, of Oliver Queen. But again, yeah. you don't get any of that in Emerald Night. You just see Hal by himself, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, at, at the gravesite. And he visits Tom and he visits Carol uh, and he, you know, he has these, you know, they don't, well, some of them pick up on it more so than uh, Carol in particular yeah. seems to, yeah. you know, know what's going on. Um, well, they, they, I, I thought when, um, was Jeff Johns who finished his run with Green Lantern. And then at the end, the very last thing was like a jump to the future of like him and Carol married and like growing old together and shit. Like that was like their last thing. And then, like, a couple of years ago, she's like, oh, I'm fucking Kyle Rayner now. I'm like, wait a minute. Like, why was that necessary to throw in? Like, they became a couple. And Did they really? Jordan, whatever, man. As long as she's happy. I'm like, no, dude. Like, especially when you have someone. Like, how long was Johns' run on Green Lantern? But like, we're talking. I mean, years. years. Yeah, years. And they gave him that whole final panel. And, like, it's literally, I, if again, if memory serves me correctly, they're on, like, a porch. I'm like a rocking chair and they're all old. And like, that's how they went out. And he's like, you know what? I think that's the way I want to end the story. And then you just fill it all with this. I mean, I guess on a long enough timeline, no one really matters. You know what I'm saying? Like the new shit comes in. They just change a bunch of stuff. Yeah. I got to tell you, I'll be honest. I, I love, you know, Green Lantern Rebirth is, is one of my favorite stories and definitely one of my favorite Green Lantern stories. But, uh, I, I was a little bit cold on, uh, the, that lengthy Jeff Johns run. Uh, I was there yeah. for the first part of it, like through Sinestro Corps War and stuff like that. But as we started getting into the, you know, the whole spectrum of rings and all the different rings and Blackest Night and all that stuff, like, I don't know. I just kind of, kind of checked Yo, out. I have to hook you up. Dude, I got to hook you up. My friend, Jason He said the same thing. Cause I talked to him and Marie before this, cause I wanted to kind of get like a sound clip from them. And he was like, I was a huge Green Lantern fan until the spectrum of rings came out. He's like, that's just kind of, it just kind of lost me at that point. And I was like, really? I was like, cause you, cause you know, me, like I got the red lantern uh, symbol tattooed on the back of my neck. Like I love like, oh, you know, this is cool. And especially the indigos. Cause the thing that you find out, like spoiler, I don't know, I guess, I guess spoiler alert is that they're all prisoners. Like they're all people who've done bad shit. And now they're like the compassionate crew. So I thought there was a bunch of stuff that was cool, but then like Kyle Rayner becomes a white lantern. And then there's like, uh, I don't know. They, I don't know. It, it does get convoluted. I think the, the different cores are kind of cool because they all come from, um, a different emotion, but I do think they kind of went a little overboard with it. What's, you know, it's, it's really interesting because I actually, I love the idea of the different, you know, cores and, and the spectrum. Like, yeah. I think the idea is really cool and I liked it initially. Uh, but I don't know. I felt like, man, I don't know if it was just too much at a certain point and everyone, you know, had, was a different, like they were switching rings and stuff. I don't know. Uh, yeah. it's, uh, again, I appreciate what John's did for the character, but yeah, that entire run, you know, uh, I don't know that I would be, I, I read most of it. I just didn't read yeah. the new 52 stuff. Cause he did a couple more years, uh, yeah. during that period. Um, but look, let's take a real quick, uh, commercial break. And then when we come back, uh, we will dig into Superman's role a little bit more, uh, in the final yeah. night, since this <laughs> yeah. is after Thanks. all a Superman podcast. Uh, so here's a quick word uh, about our sponsors. Submissions are now open for the March season of the Brightside Tavern Film Festival in Jersey City, New Jersey. Visit filmfreeway.com to submit your film now. Also, be sure to listen to the podcasts hosted by the festival's organizer, CJ Cullen. You can find the official Hang On To Your Shorts podcast, as well as the Cullen On Film podcast, via a shared universe network. The Hive Comics and Games is an oasis of nerd fun and events in the heart of Odessa, Texas, whether it's comic book superhero stories or role-playing in a dungeon, 
the hive is where to be. Come tap your mana and face off against the top Magic the Gathering players in West Texas. Hive carries a majority of new comic titles each Wednesday and has all of your favorite titles in their back issue section. Follow them on Facebook at The Hive Comics and on Instagram at The Hive Comic Shop. So, you know, I know we haven't really done a full-on plot summary of Final Night, but, you know, it's a very, uh, you know, I don't want to say simple, but it's a pretty straightforward story. Yeah. You, you know, yeah, the sun I mean, eater comes, ab- starts, you know, absorbing the sun. The heroes are trying to it. figure out <laughs> what to do. You know, you and have some... Very, in a very silver surfian kind of way, like Dusk shows up first. She's like, hey, homeboy's coming. It's kind of like, and again, I was like, that's weird. And like, it, look, I'm not like, yes, it's too totally like she's running scared mm-hmm. like it's not like silver server shows up he's like everyone get the fuck out because your plant's about to get eaten and then he does his own redemption thing but like that's it like that literally is the whole story like the sun goes out superheroes need to try and do something to not only uh help help the world and the people who are freaking out but also solve this problem that's why i liked it as four man like i didn't think it like if you would have went on it just would have been like one of those shows like lost that stayed around for too long you know what i'm saying i think four was just like the perfect place to cut it yeah no for sure uh yeah i think that was the appropriate length uh for this story and you know as far as superman's uh rolling it uh, first i have to say i love lex's involvement i love the fact you know the first issue ends with everyone seeing the sun go out, uh, including Lex, and Lex is like, all right, get the jet. Like, we have to go and help. For me, my favorite dynamic with with Superman and Lex or Clark and Lex is them as uneasy, reluctant allies. I -hmm. love it. Uh, And so forcing them into that type of situation is, I I always enjoy that. So I loved Lex's role uh, in this. And, you know, you get a lot of fun moments with him in Brainiac 5, uh, you know, over who's smarter and who has the right ideas as far as uh, what to do. I like putting them together. I thought that was a cool move. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, you mentioned uh, Dusk and Dusk has kind of an interesting journey because in, I believe it's issue two, uh, she's attacked by an angry mob who blames her. Yeah. Yeah. And then... As foreshadowing, she runs into another mob and that mob helps her, which is kind of like the hope yeah. arc or whatever. But I do like that, like in a very movie-esque style mm-hmm. where like you see a gun on a on a on a on a counter and then later that gun gets used, right? Like that's your typical story arc. Like like I thought that was super fitting, man. Like I like that part. Like I like the hope stuff. Cause like you said, it is a Superman te- like it's a superhero tale, but it told more about people's willingness to be like oh man like this might be the end and shit and like what they would be like and the fact that they helped her i thought was really cool to throw in there yeah for sure and there's actually it's the issue of uh action comics uh during this period uh that tells a similar type of story uh through the lens of a metropolis citizen who uh did you reread this or or no i don't think i got to that one no okay. that was what two uh, I, I know it was on my homework list, but that's I don't okay. think I had it. <laughs> no, that's okay. So, you know, again, every DC title that month uh, had a final night issue, and that includes mm-hmm. Superman, Action Comics, Adventures of Superman, yeah. and Man of Steel. Uh, and the Action Comics issue, uh, well, through all of these issues, uh, except Superman, because the Superman issue took place like right before the sun went out. So that that was kind of its own thing. But the other three issues were firmly during the uh, the period where Superman's powers are really fading. And right. so in each issue, you know, uh, you see Superman still trying to help people despite the fact that yeah. he's, you know, he, he really can't do much at that point. And I want to circle back to that idea in a second. But um, the Action Comics issue was really cool because there was a, a Metropolis citizen who uh, who steals some food and, you know, he's really just looking out for himself. Um, he's scared. You know, there's it's really yeah. driven by fear. Um, and he's ultimately inspired. He's in the park and he sees a statue of Superman that was erected after Superman gave his life to save Doomsday. And that inspires him. Yeah. And, uh, he goes and he helps a, a group of people who were under attack. And, um, and so there are numerous instances like that. And with the, the second mob, uh, that is actually welcoming toward dusk and helps dusk. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I mean, it was cool to kind of see more so, I guess, than in other DC events. I'm sure there are other examples, but you know, this one really stood out as far as examining the effects on on the people. You know, yeah. and I and I thought that was really cool. And I actually like that with um um with uh the Batman 
again, going back to like Batman earthquake, like that, like the no man's land thing, Superman shows up and he's like, dude, you got to fix this shit. These people are crazy. And Batman stays on the same. I think it's the same roof. I was asking Mike Schelling about that. I'm like, is he on the same? Is his petty ass sitting on the same rooftop? He's like, yeah, I think he was. He's like, go ahead, then go fix the problem. Right. But when you deal with mobs of people, which we've fucking seen over the past six months, man, people get an idea in their head, dude, and you cannot stop them. And I think that the no man's land really pinned that because Superman's like flying around. He's trying to fix everything and finally shows back up. And there's Batman's petty ass on it. He's like, how to go? And he's like, you know what? I can't do that. Like, I can't do this because, again, it's not an enemy that you can punch, dude. It is wild people that he's supposed to be protecting. Right. Like as an oath, like he's supposed to be protecting. He's like, I can't like they're crazy. And he's like, that's Gotham for you. So, like, I like that. I like that humanistic part that they put in. I like it when superheroes show it. I like when they show people around superheroes who have it. Like, I think some of my favorite there was one Batman issue where, um, it shows it from a bunch of different points of view of Gotham citizens who get into shit. And then he shows up, but he's not even the focal point. It's all the people that he saved was the focal point. I love that stuff, man. Because again, it's usually, let's fly around the fucking galaxy and kill people, right? But this is like, nah, dude, like, what is it like at home? I love that stuff, man. Yeah, no, for sure. Uh, so yeah, that was definitely, you know, a very enjoyable aspect of the story. And, you know, just circling back to Dusk's uh, role in this, uh, there's a, the, I think it's issue three where the phantom stranger kind of takes her on a tour of what's going on yeah. in the world, yeah. uh, and shows her all these examples of our DC characters, you know, being, being heroes. And, you know, that's definitely very inspiring to her. Uh, and so that was really cool to see, uh, to see as well. Yeah. They, they, I, I know he's called the presence, like you're like general like roman catholic god you know sits behind the source wall or whatever it is right or he's the hand or the foot or i don't know they call him a bunch of different stuff right but at one point actually the two parts i like was where specter goes and he's like hey can you fix this and he's like or, or no i'm sorry they go to specter yeah and they're like hey can you get the source to be he's like no because if it's god's will it's gonna happen but like a couple of, but like a year before i'm pretty sure that he bought all a Young Justice back. Like, the source was just like, bring Young Justice back. Like, wait a minute. The superhero team dies, and you can bring those back, but, like, the sun going out is... So, you know, that's continuity shit or whatever. But, like, the, the other part I liked is Etrigan shows up. Yes. And that's one of my favorite parts, because he's like, okay, you know what? I can solve your problem. I will solve your problem, but... And then, of course, the cat, the crazy caveat is, like, I want everyone's soul. Like, all right. Like, yeah. yeah, I love that part, man. I, I love that character. I like the rhyming Etrigan. And then later they took that away from him. I was like, no, man, that's that's apparently like the choir of devils that he's in. I thought that was awesome. I love that part. Yeah, that was a really fun, uh, a fun little bit. It, the only thing that I don't know that I completely bought is uh, is how quickly everyone rejects that offer. Yeah. And again, not to be pessimistic, but... Or to be political, but again, as you as you said, in terms of what we've seen in the real world over over this yeah. past year plus, I don't know. I don't know that everyone would be so quick to say no. <laughs> so I was while I was reading that. I was like, I don't know. <laughs> you are not, and like at one point, the Pope comes out. He's like, "We're not going to do this," and everybody on the planet's like, "Well, the Catholic Pope says it, so we're not going to make what?" Like, I don't know. But yeah, dude, you're right. Like in the like, they should have like really everyone at once was just like no. I'm like, I would have saved my ass, man. Put a pentagram up in my house and shit. I would be like, I'm, I'm about it. <laughs> and then, you know, uh, again. The good parts of that. That, 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 that series is all. I'm so glad I'm here, man. That oh. series is great. There's like so much little stuff too. Like the little shit, like when Batman gives Hal Jordan shit, right? Like, because Batman, like actually Mike Schelling told me, bring this up on the show. He's like, because it's a good talking point, especially for super uh, man fans. He said, uh, hold on, because now I got to pull it up or I'm going to fuck it up. He said, Superman is aspirational. Batman is inspirational. And I was like, that's a fucking, that's a great quote, dude. Right? Like what? Like, because it really shows the difference between the two. And I said, I think Batman's kind of like the good version of Lex Luthor because they're both kind of like, it's like, look, hmm. I'm a human, but look at all the shit that I can do. Batman's just good with it. Right? Like Lex Luthor's like, no, fuck that guy. We can do the same thing. So it's just like, like, I love stuff. I love those little caveats to the character like that. Yeah. 
No, that's an interesting way to, to look at it. And especially the idea of, uh, you know, Lex and Bruce kind of being two sides of the same coin, you know, yeah. in, in certain ways. And certainly, uh, you know, again, and the final night uh, does play up the sort of that dichotomy between Superman and Batman, especially at the end and the final oh, yeah. issue. Uh, when they have one of their roof rooftop meetings and, you know, the narration says, you know, everyone, you know, follows the lead of, of one or the other in the DC universe. Uh, but yeah, especially with Hal Jordan, I mean, Superman is definitely quicker to, you know, at least entertain forgiveness and to, yeah. you know, accept the idea that Hal has redeemed himself. Like even in death, Batman is still not quick to say like, okay, <laughs> it's all right. <laughs> you know, uh, but like, but that's who that character is. For like sure. those characters have to be that way. Like Superman, like all. And again, I was, I was talking to other people about this too. The easy way was say, oh well, what if Superman went evil? Right? You had Plutonian uh, mm -hmm. in the Irredeemable series. You had Homelander. I'm like now, fucking the boy. You can't turn around without seeing. It. I remember reading the Ennis one when like it was a dynamite thing that was really small. So it's like it's really cool to look at that side of it. But like that's who Superman it dude, he he's that guy. Like that's that character. Batman's that character. That, that's why everyone's like, well, how come uh um uh how come Batman's so miserable? It's like, that's the fucking character, dude. Like that's that's it. That's it. Yeah, no, for sure. Uh and yeah, and so you I mean you really see you know a lot of those differences play out in the way they view uh the way they view Hal and, and Hal's role in the story. Uh but as far as you know, Superman specifically, so at this point in time. Uh, Lois and Clark were separated. This was the big, you know, we had had the big storyline where uh, she broke off their engagement and she was kind of out of the books for a little while. Very shortly after this, she returns and we have the wedding album and their honeymoon and, and all that. Uh, but so Lois is not is not in the picture at the moment. And uh, and again, of course, you know, Clark's powers are, are fading. And, you know, by the end of the story, he's powerless. That part got me. Superman loves his mom, dude. Like, that scene where he flies back to, I was like, God, like, of course, dude. Yeah. Cause he thought at that point it was his ass on the line. Right. So it's like, I want to see mom. I was just like, yo, like that you could always look for. And I think they nailed that in the movies too. Like he always wants to fucking go back to mom and shit like that. And again, like she's tough Kansas woman, dude. She, she was like, she's it's, the, the world is freezing over. And she's like, whatever. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's just, but I love the fact that he always goes back mm -hmm. to that, to like clear his head. Um, it, it, I don't know, dude. I love that about Superman, dude. He's just like he he he's more human than most humans. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. No, exactly. Uh, you know, and that's in that's in uh, I think it's in Batman. It's Batman v Superman where where Bruce makes that comment. It's like uh, you know, he lived. You know, he he lived as a human. He had a job. He had someone he loved. Like in a lot of ways, he was more human than 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 Bruce. Um, and yeah, I love the fact that he can go to, uh, the Kents for counsel. That's always something I've enjoyed. I know it's so sad in final night because, you know, I think it's Pa who's like, oh, yeah. I gotta like herd the cattle or whatever. And he's like, doesn't really matter. <laughs> he's like, it don't matter much longer. <laughs> uh, you know, and it's a, it's a real short scene. I mean, that's the thing with these, you know, with these larger event stories, right? Like there aren't always, you know, uh, you know, a ton of opportunities for, you know, uh, a lot of, a lot of page time, you know, if nothing else. Um, that's why I'm. You know, it was it was especially fun to reread the Superman titles from that month because uh, you obviously get to spend more time with Superman and see more about his solo adventures and what he was doing. And um, there's a really cool the issue of Man of Steel that came out that month was really cool because it was written by Louise uh, Simonson and it juxtaposed Superman's uh, attempts to save the, the Metropolis power plant with like barely any power left at the, within yeah. himself, uh, barely any uh, of his superhuman strength left at this point, uh, juxtapose that with uh, Jor-El's efforts uh, to try to save Krypton, yeah. to warn the council and yeah. and to get uh, Clark off or Kal-El uh, off the planet. Um, so that was, a, that was a cool issue. I really dug that a lot. And uh, the issue of Adventures of Superman that month was uh, Carl Kiesel uh, plotted it and Jerry Ordway wrote it. Terry Dodson was the guest artist, uh, and that was yeah. cool. I had completely forgotten he had he had done any of that. And but that was that gave us the origin of this new uh, incarnation of Pharaoh Lad, who of course plays such a large role in Final Night. Yeah. Do you remember that issue? The that was the last one. Right? Well, no, he, well he pops in and out. Right, is that the last one? Well, the issue of um, of Adventures of Superman. Uh, Adventures that of Superman. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, yeah, but that was in the didn't they, someone. No, actually, I think my brain is all fucked up. That's no, okay. good. <laughs> That's all right. Uh, but yeah, so in that issue of, of Adventures, we get, uh, 
you know, the, the introduction of this version of the character, because um, again, obviously there had been a feral lad, you know, pre-crisis and this was the yep. new incarnation. And he's the um, disfigured and abandoned son of an actress named Nancy Dolan. Uh, and his real name right. is Andrew. And he confronts his mother uh, in, in that issue. And then he uh, help, agrees to help or offers to help Superman get the new edition of the Daily Planet out. And that's right. how he kind of makes his debut, uh, you know, during this period of time. And then, of course, goes on to play a large role in Final Night where, uh, you know, Lex and Brainiac, they hatched this plan to uh, place and detonate all these force fields around the sun. Because that was the other issue with this was that the Earth wasn't going to die in ice. It was going to be fire. Right. Because the whole idea was that the sun was trying to heal itself, was collapsing in on itself and was going to go supernova. Uh, and so they were going to detonate Nova, all these force yeah. fields to try to to try to contain it, and they needed someone to pilot the ship, and it was going to be a suicide mission. And Superman was the one who was going to do it. And we yeah, see him yeah. starting to write a letter out uh, to Lois, uh, you know, what he thought would be his you know final message to her. But then Feralad uh, sneaks onto the ship and 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 goes off. Uh, and then, of course, as as we had previously discussed, that leads to uh, Hal intervening and uh, sparing Feralad and and saving the day. Uh, but but it's just like, but that's like Superman will walk into oblivion for other people. Mm -hmm. And like I said, that's why he's like the like. And again, like didn't didn't fucking Batflex say in that movie? He's like, he's the best of us, dude. Mm -hmm. Like he's the, what every human should want to aspire to be, which is why in that quote. Right. Like, it's just like he's he's like. He looks out for people more than people look out for people. And it's not because he has power because we've seen that shit over the course of years, dude. Time where he has no power and he's he's still going to be like, well, I'll drive the ship then or I'll lead all these people. So, like, I don't know, like there's Superman. I don't know, Superman's got a large swath of haters, dude. And it's just like, well, he could just fucking, you know, if it wasn't for the sun, dude, if it wasn't for the sun, he would still go out like a hero anyway. It's got nothing to do with the power, dude. It's got like that power is his ability for kitten to care for other people and that's what i like about like that's why i still dude the little kid in me man dude the little kid in me still sees like the christopher reeve fucking superman i'm just like god damn dude like that it's just the perfect fucking character man especially for stuff like that i'm glad you feel that way i mean honestly that's one of the main reasons i wanted to do this podcast was to celebrate the character and i know i know there are haters out there and i know you know what the common criticisms of the character often are and I reject them um, in large part because because of stories like this. And uh, that's, you know, kind of, you know, as we as we start to wind down here a bit, I guess, uh, you know, this whole idea and you hit the nail on the head that even powerless, you know, he's still willing to make the sacrifice and to be the hero. And I think, you know, we, we, at the very beginning, right, we talked about my little uh, preamble to this podcast about, you know, getting into comics with the death of Superman. And I always think about what effect that had on me in shaping my view of the character. And I think it was the fact that, you know, that wasn't a story where he was powerless, but that was a story where he was up against a threat that he didn't know he could beat. And in fact, he couldn't, you know, they both fought to the death. And, you know, similarly here, and, you know, there are a lot of other instances where he doesn't have his powers, and I might dedicate an episode to that uh, down the line. I think it would, it would be interesting to do. Um, but that's the thing. It's like powers or not, it, this is still who he is and what he does, and he's willing to, to go that distance and make the sacrifice. And that, that stands still, out always. But being the nice guy that he is, right, still carries that, like, megaton nuclear fear. Actually, one of my favorite... Superman panels wasn't even in a Superman book, dude. It was in a fucking Swamp Thing book. Swamp Thing goes to like, you know, spoiler alert, even though it's fucking 30 years old, right? Uh, Swamp Thing goes to Gotham because they have his chick, right? And Batman's like, dude, you can't do that. Like you're literally making like Flora bust out of like citizens or he could, right? Because there's there's Flora in the human intestinal tract, which is why I like what Moore did. Like Moore did his homework and he's like, dude, technically Swamp Thing could, you know, like Swamp Thing could do some real damage. And Ultimately, he beats the shit out of Batman. He like he multiplies himself, right? So he goes to the governor or the mayor. God damn, it's been a while. Goes to the guy and he's like, look, you have to let her go. Like, you have to let her go. And he's like, no, because um, she's with something not of this world. And Batman goes, okay, okay. Well, then in that case, we got to talk about the other people who are with people and not of this world. And he's listing all the names. And then there's like a panel by panel, dude. And he goes, oh, yeah. And then there's that other guy from Metropolis. And I was like, holy shit, dude. Like, yeah, okay. 
you want to talk about people that can't be with each other because they're with like people from different planets, you're forgetting about the one dude who's from another planet that if you piss him off with that kind of thought process, yeah, he's a nice guy, but he's also fucking Superman. You know, I love that there's fear there with such a nice guy because of who he is. But that panel by, it's like, I think it's like nine panels on one page. And like in the last one, like the governor, the mayor, like the cigarettes, like dangling off his lips. Cause he realized like, Oh shit. Yeah. Uh, Abby Arcane. That's her name. God damn. Fucking brain. Dude, dad brain. Don't worry. In like five years, you'll get that brain. So you start calling coast city, coastal city. I guarantee it. <laughs> it's very true. Uh, yeah. but yeah, no, I mean, for sure. And you know, that's always, I think one of the, one of the interesting things, uh, whether it's, you know, within Superman's own titles, or like you said, in other stories, you know, getting to see other yeah. characters, the way they view him, uh, you know, often, you know, tells you a lot about, uh, you know, both, both characters. Uh, so no, that's really cool. And then, you know, we mentioned before the sort of the epilogue issue to final night, uh, Green Lantern, uh, 81, where the heroes gather to mourn how, um, I enjoyed that issue a lot, and um, you know, you get numerous people eulogizing Hal, you know, including Superman and Kyle speaks, and 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 uh, and a number of others. Uh, and then we fought like twice. Like Hal Jordan's gone gone toe to toe with everyone. I think Kyle. I think he's only fought Kyle like twice. And like it's weird because like Hal Jordan at one point has you know gotten into shit with everybody because he went from like I don't know. It seems like he went from like serious to like shit talker back to serious, and then when they rebooted the new, he was like. A shit talker again mm. yeah but him and kyle only went at it like twice which i thought was cra- well, I, like i would have thought it was more and it fucking wasn't yeah i mean that's that's very true i mean i and i think there was like a there was a two-part story where you know hal tried to get the ring back from kyle uh but yeah i mean even that was just a couple of issues yeah. oh that's actually one of the other things in that emerald knight special where uh he has a conversation hal has a conversation with with ganthet as well um and he sort yeah. of and yeah. he offers him yeah. the ring back yeah, 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 that's right. That's right. Right, and he offers uh, Hal the ring back, and he's like, you know, like basically, like I'm past that. Like I tried that before. Like I can't, I can't mm-hmm. go back, sort of thing. Um, but yeah, but the the funeral uh, issue I, I was uh, I, I thought was was emotional and was a nice send off uh, for the character for the time. Right, obviously it didn't didn't last, but um, but at the time. But actually, one thing that I was kind of thinking about, you know, not not to you know not to pick Final Night apart, but do you think that it would have been any stronger if it had been structured as more of a Hal Jordan story. Cause again, it's like, he just kind of like shows up halfway through and then it becomes his story. Yeah. Yes. Because I think it cheapened what he did at the end, which I think caused a lot of that backlash. Cause like I said, I talked to a whole bunch of people with better memories than me. Um, and that was kind of like the consent, like they didn't like the redemption arc, because it did seemingly come out of nowhere, dude. Like, he destroyed the whole core, what, fucking a year before? And it was just like, uh, dude, it was the Darth Vader thing, right? And I look, I don't want to piss off any fucking, because they're crazy, right? Um, even though I do like the Mandalorian, so you call me a casual, I don't give a shit. <laughs> but, like, Darth Vader does all, he blows up planets, he kills all these people, he says, fucking, I'm sorry, and he gets a blue spirit? Like, what the fuck is that, right? <laughs> so, yeah. like, I think seeing the buildup to that Hal piece... Or even like a um, a side for issues that kind of ran parallel to it would have been really cool because he does just come out of nowhere and everyone was like, oh, that's just because people don't want to be bad anymore. Because apparently at the time, uh, based on uh, my, based on my other buddy, Mike, who I called, people didn't like Kyle Rayner. Like they didn't like mm-hmm. that character at all. And then Marie, Jason's wife, was like, see, the thing is women liked Kyle, men liked Hal. And I was like, oh, really? And she's like, yeah, for the most part. Um, yeah, so people didn't like Kyle. So it was just like maybe he was supposed to take over the mantle. Um, yeah, but I do think if something ran side by side, it would have been it would have been a little cooler or 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 at least make a little bit more sense. Yeah, you know, because this is the thing that I kind of always come back to whenever we have one of these, you know, universe wide stories and. I, look, I fully get, uh, you know, as, as, and as a fan, it's like part of the draw of these stories is that you have all of these characters together when they're normally not. Like, I get that 100%. That being said, I still like having a point of view character. 
And that's why, like, I was a big fan of Brad Meltzer's Identity Crisis. And, you know, in that story, like, Oliver Queen is our point of view character for a lot of it. Not not all the time. But if there's one character who kind of, you know, narrates more than any other, it's, I'm pretty sure it's it's Ollie. And that makes sense, right? Meltzer did his, uh, you know, Archer's Quest story not long before. But that was always something that I liked. And in most of these stories, you don't get that. And so, I, for me, I it's, again, I still enjoy them, you know, well enough. Yeah. But it's a little bit harder for me to like really have that personal emotional investment when we don't have a true point of view character. And so if this had kind of been designed as more of a Hal story and you saw more of it from Hal's perspective, you know, that would have kind of solved that issue for me, but also, you know, I think would have, as you've been saying, you know, kind of shown you more of, of Hal's arc and it wouldn't have felt as yeah. abrupt when he makes that appearance. Yeah. And I think you would have cheered for him a little bit more. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. I think you would have been like, if you saw those little pieces, I think when he entered the room, you'd be like, holy shit, holy shit, here it comes. Like, it it just seemed like very left field. Um, But yes, I do agree with you. I think that there should have been some sort of buildup and not just kind of dumped on your lap like that to be like, oh, look at the twist. That It was like a, an unnecessarily M. Night Shyamalan twist where it was just like, all right, well, this is what we're going to grow with. Or like, why? <laughs> but, you know, it's, I mean, like I, and we talked about this before, but I mean, I think this was like for these DC events for that, you know, for those few years, you know, Hal was, re again, was revealed to be the villain behind Zero Hour. He, yeah. you know, shows up at the end of this story to save the day. He shows up, you know, during Day of Judgment, like halfway through when they're like, oh, we need a new host for the Spirit of Vengeance. It's like, boom, here's Hal. So it's like, I don't know. It, was, it seems like it was kind of a thing, uh, you know, during these event stories at the time where it's like he's like shows up in the clutch for, for good or bad, you know, depending on on the story and the point in time. And like. I think the the big part that people miss is these these comic book writers are writing mini movies in sometimes one one issue. Maybe it runs for like three or four, right? Not every idea is going to be a home run, right? Like some shit is just going to fucking fall flat. And it was just like I think they just catch a lot of shit. Like people gave Ken Rockefort a bunch of shit. I was talking to him at um, a comic con in Long Island. He caught hell. Because he went with, uh, and you know Mia Lobo, right? He showed up to DC because they had commissioned him to to reboot the Lobo look, right? And he came with like one where he had like spikes in his head, still burly, still big or whatever. Like, no, we want to streamline him a little bit more and make him more accessible. And he was like, uh, all right. And that's when he showed up with like Twink Lobo. And they were like, that's the one. And people shit on him. He's like, dude, I'm... I wasn't my fucking idea. Like, this is what they gave me. The money's green. You know, like this is still the, their job. Like they can't just turn around and try to thank and, 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 and adhere to every fan. You can't do that, dude. It's serving a 10 million different masters. You can't do it. And I think it's the same thing here, right? Like some people are like, yeah, how Jordan, like, you know, he's the, he, he's the guy we all knew he was going to be. And yes. And other people are going to be like, that fucking sucks. Like just, it just all right, if you didn't enjoy it, you didn't enjoy it, but that's no reason to like write DC about like how mad you are. Like, holy shit. Yeah. I mean, you know, the, the line, you know, uh, between passion, <laughs> you know, and I don't know, fanaticism, you know, can, can sometimes be a, be a fine one. It's a tough thing. Uh, yeah, yeah. No, dude, it's like, look, me and you are the same comic book people, like Mike Zapsick's the same way. Do we just love where the stories take us, man? And we got nothing to prove. Like I don't have anything to prove. I love the medium and some stories. I remember other stories. I need to crack into the white boxes and pick out for you. So, <laughs> so, you know, I can remember shit, but to us, it's not, it goes beyond like this storyline. It goes beyond like what this author did with this character, how this draws the character. It's just like, like we will take this to the grave. Like we will take these inspirational or aspirational stories with us. We will pass them on to our kids. They'll get passed on and stuff like, dude, it's in the history books, man. So no, I don't want to waste my time fucking poo pooing so-and-so because he didn't know the right year of whatever. Who cares, man? Just enjoy the fucking story. Just enjoy. And I think Superman has a lot of that. Just enjoy where the story goes, man. Oh, he he's too happy all the time. Well, who fucking, you know what I'm saying? Like, let the dude, like, but he's also, he knows this shit. Like, here's the thing. Batman's always played up as like the, I'm super intelligent. I'm the fucking Dark Knight detective. And I, you know, couldn't figure out there was three Jokers, but he's the, he's the world's greatest detective. Um, When they, 
someone came up to, and this was years ago. Someone came up to Bat, uh, Superman and asked me, he's like, hey, how come Plastic Man's on the Justice League? He's like, don't you think that's weird? Like, he's just a fucking nutcase. He's like, well, that's the problem. He's completely unstable, and he's pretty much indestructible. So if I don't watch him, we don't know what's going to happen. And that gave me a second layer of mm. Superman. Like, he's not only looking out for people. Like, he's watching the other heroes and being like, oh, sure, you can join the team straight up just to watch him. Like, that to me goes deeper than, like, you, you know, like, where do these footsteps lead? Like, that's the part of Superman I like. Because, you know, he can read through you know, 7,000 volumes of brain surgery and then perform brain surgery if you wanted to. So think about all the knowledge and all of like the shit that he's got kicking around in his head, man. Like he's much more than just, I'm going to fucking, you know, fly around the sun and give you laser vision. Like, the, the, I don't know. It's a deep character, man. It's a deep character. And that's why I like when they play off stuff like that. Yeah, no, for sure. Well said. No, I, I love it. Um, is there anything else uh, either that you wanted to say about Final Night or that uh, you got from one of your friends you consulted with? Um, anything we didn't cover no, that you wanted to? It's it's it ran it ran hot and cold with just about everybody. You know, either either people didn't like it because of the incons or or what they perceived as inconsistencies, right? Um, or people were like, oh my God, I loved it because it showed superheroes not flying to another planet just to punch dark side, right? Like it showed them helping people going down to South America, go, like stuff like that. So some people wanted the superhero, like we're in fucking suits and look at us pose and other people like, I like the humanistic version. That's why I like the choice. And that's why I'm so excited to talk about this with you because it's very easy to be like, let's talk about, you know, a fucking blackest night you know it's you know like i'm wearing a goddamn hat right but like for something like this it requires a little bit more than just like yeah but you know what it's not all as cookie cutter as like you know issues one through three of any run like there's got to be a deeper level and i think that's why people didn't get down with it because they want to get lost in the comic book they don't want to think about how fucked up shit can be they want to get lost in it so i think that there was and of course the hal jordan thing they had a problem with right. but otherwise the i like I said, dude, I'm easy. I think everything's a good read. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like I said, I, uh, you know, again, I read it as a kid as it was coming out, and I, I'm sure I reread it at some point, you know, a few years after that. I don't know. But, you know, either way, it had been a very long time since I went back to it. And, you know, again, I always remembered it very fondly. And, uh, again, I think really for the most part it held up well for all the reasons that we discussed. And, you know, for anyone who, you know, is listening to us or watching us and hasn't, uh, hasn't ever read it, I definitely recommend it. You know, all the issues are available on the DC app. And then there's actually a new edition of the trade paperback, or it might be a hardcover. I'm not positive, but there's a new collected edition, uh, that's coming out in, in 2021. So, you know, if you've never read it, I mean, I definitely recommend it. Um, I, I think it's an interesting read and, you know, again, there was there were plenty of great comics in the '90s, and and you know, I that's the time I came up reading comics, so I have a lot of fondness for the '90s. But you know, I know it's not always the most revered uh, period of time in comics. And but the fact that you had like this, this was a very different type of line wide event, and uh, I really give them credit for for doing something again a little outside the box, something that was more. Uh, you know, had more of a human interest feel than uh, than what you typically get in these these large yeah. scale events. And real decisions that had real consequences that had to be made. Yeah. Outside of like you know your very typical Deus Ex Machina, like let's bring it. Oh, we just happen to know somebody who can do this. Like you didn't have that, dude. You tried it, right? Like Mister Miracle tried to boom to, but like like literally tried to boom to away. It did not work because then for some explicable reason, which it doesn't matter. I thought it was cool. Like he's not even in this dimension. Like that thing is interdimensional. Right, That's right. why you play. So I liked all the, the attempts to do something about it. Um, because usually it's like, Oh, this didn't work. And then someone rises from the grave or flies over your shoulder and they're like, Oh, I'll handle everything. And this time you didn't have that. So like, I really liked, I liked that there was a bunch of attempts made. Like they even tried to make a fake sun at one point. Didn't like Ray and like a whole bunch of people that like had the thermo. Yeah. They all tried to make a fake sun and shit. And he was like, and fucking sun here was like, I'm going to eat that one. And then this other one. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, exactly. Like that was a big part of, uh, of that first issue was them coming up with these tr ways to try to stop the sun eater. And, and you, you identified both of them, right? Trying to boom tube it away. That didn't work. And yeah, creating a decoy sun. 
Uh, and that too yeah. failed. But you know, you mentioned the Ray, and it's funny. Like that's always the thing with these DC events, or you know, any any publisher when, or Marvel in particular. But like when they do these these events, then especially when you go back and you read them years later, it's like very much a snapshot of uh, you know what they were publishing at the time. So it was interesting to see like to see the Ray, to see Guy Gardner in his warrior face. <laughs> Well, actually, it's so funny that you bring that up because a lot of the review because I did hit some reviews because I'm like I want to see what other people because usually it's just people that I talk to and mm-hmm. again I haven't talked this book in a while and one of the complaints this is why I fucking hate people one of the complaints was well there was a bunch of heroes on the covers that weren't even in the book like that's your hold like that's the flag. <laughs> And the hill that you're going to die on. Are you sure that that's where you want to die on? I don't know. It just seems like people will try and find anything. But you're right. I do like the introduction. Of, like, that's why I did like Blackest Night, because everyone was in it, dude. Yeah. Everybody was in it. Like, you bought in everyone. It was like, a, it, it, it was it was great. But I do like that there was a bunch of different decisions made. And I liked, like, it was a triple twist at the end, kind of. Right? Because, like. At one point, wasn't Lex supposed to do it? And he was like, fuck this. I'm not doing it. Like, he ends up backing out (laughs) of, like, actually going through with it. Like, a bunch of people bailed on it. Like, it was a real feeling that, like, holy shit, everyone's going to die. Like, we haven't seen that kind of of cataclysmic event on that scale outside of, like, you know, you're very atypical. We're all going to go fight the anti-monitor or whatever. Like, there was nothing anybody could do about this. I Goddamn, dude. Now I'm going to go read it. Dude, after I get off of you, I'm going to read the shit again. It's a cool story. You know, it's funny because I've, you know, I've done a few of these episodes so far and, uh, you know, in, in, already in a number of instances, I've said like, oh, that story would make for a good adaptation, either animated or otherwise. And I kind of feel the same way about this. Like it would be a very different type of story, but I think it's an interesting sort of vehicle to tell like more personal stories. And yeah, this, it is about the world ending, but it's not about, you know, just reality being erased or what you typically get in these events it's like the sun's gone and people are freezing and starving and and, you know the power's going out so uh yeah it was it was interesting and it was it was great to revisit and uh you know i appreciate you uh you know coming along uh for this flight with me uh to revisit it it was pushed back like three times because other shit dude i'm glad you hung around for me though man that was awesome again like we haven't done this since 2017 i know it's so, been a, it's been a long time no it was my pleasure I'm, I'm so glad that uh that we were able to do this and uh you know hopefully we'll have you on again in the future to talk more superman stuff well next you're coming with actually all right i'll tell you what you're gonna come on shadadigan so you could talk about being a new dad all right and then my job is to find a superman run my job not you because you're fucking king superman so i know you're gonna my i'm gonna pick a superman run or individual comic I'm going to send it to you, and that's what we're going to talk about. Okay. All right. Uh, well, listen, thank you so much. Uh, for anyone listening or, or watching, uh, you know, follow Justin at Real Life Lobo on Instagram uh, and watch his uh, cosplay pursuits and, and transformations. They're really, they're really something. Listen to him on the uh, Shadadigans podcast. And uh, we'll be back uh, uh, early in the new year with the first of two episodes about the 1950s George Reeves Adventures of Superman television series. Uh, I'm extremely excited uh, for these episodes, and I hope you enjoy. Until then, happy holidays. And of course, remember, it's about what you do. It's about action. Digging for Kryptonite is a Flat Squirrel production. Art by Greg Schiegel, music by Basic Printer. If you like what you heard, be sure to listen to My Comic Shop History, available on most major podcast platforms. Sign up for exclusive additional content, including the Digging for Kryptonite companion podcast at patreon.com slash anthonydesiato and watch my documentary film, My Comic Shop Country, out now on Apple TV and Amazon.